I hope you're dialed in and focused because we have an important third quarter coming up. Welcome to the third quarter podcast. I am your host, Third Eye. Crazy night of NBA basketball, a lot of NFL news going on. We're about to cover it all for you. Tune in. It's the third quarter. What's going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great week so far. Like I said, we had a lot of things happening this week. A lot of NFL news going on. As far as the association, we had Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals played last night. You had the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum just going dumb against the Miami Heat, beating them by 20, 102-82. You have news of Kyler Murray still not at OTAs. He still hasn't showed up. He's trying to get paid. There's just a lot going on. Um, so, I, But I wanted to get started, of course, with the association. I mentioned that the Boston Celtics were able to defeat the Miami Heat by 20 points last night. And before I was getting into you know, my picks for the favorites to win the conference finals for each respective conference, I wanted to come up with a list of the most impactful players. Because believe it or not, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat series is closer than what a lot of people think. It will come down to a few key players to make that series uh, what it will be as far as the victor. And I mean, you can't deny that the Golden State Warriors do have some special talents on their squad. So I took it upon myself to list the three most impactful players. If you do want to check uh, my list out, you can find it on www.hoopshabit.com. It's a site underneath the fan-sided umbrella, their NBA site. Wrote an article on that. Make sure you check it out. But at number three, I have Bam Adebayo, the center for the Miami Heat. And before last night, he was averaging 14.9 points per game. That was the second highest on the team. 7.7 rebounds per game. And he increased his shooting from the regular season by 5% in the postseason. Besides making plays and scoring buckets and getting boards, he's also a dominant threat in the paint. It didn't really help too much last night because Jason Tatum, you know, he ate him up in the paint last night. But when Bam Adebayo plays well, the Miami Heat don't have a problem with the Celtics. That's probably why we've seen this series go back and forth so many times because the inconsistencies from both teams are leaving the series wide open. I do believe if Bam comes together and he plays two consistent back-to-back games where he's just a dominant force, Miami Heat take the series. I mean, who who are you going to put on Bam? Al Horford? And mind you, he's, he's been balling too, but... Defensively, Al Horford is like 35. If Bam don't go to work on Al Horford, then the Heat need to, need to reconsider his contract. And then at number two, number two most impactful players. This is for both conferences. So number two most impactful player I have, Jimmy Buckets. And of course, you know he's scoring buckets at will. He has 28.1 points per game before last night. That's the fourth most in postseason scoring. And he's the team leading scorer. So you have Jimmy, then you got Bam on the on Miami Heat for leading scorers. Besides scoring the ball, he's able to create plays for other teammates. He has 4.9 assists. And he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. When he exited the Philadelphia series, I remember he went into the locker room saying, you, you chose Tobias over me? This is who y'all wanted over me? We could have had a chip. We could have had a run. And then he sent Philadelphia home. So he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. A lot of people are... are taking away his his greatness and his legacy because he hasn't won a championship yet 
And you can see it when he plays. He's playing like he has something to prove. And like I said, I mean, Bam, if he plays well, yeah, they got, you know, they have a chance at the chip. But if Jimmy Butler plays bad, the team has no chance at a chip. So they definitely need Jimmy Butler. And of course, the number one most impactful player in the conference finals is going to be Steph Curry. Yeah, I know the Golden State Warriors are on the verge of sweeping the Mavericks, but imagine if Steph Curry wasn't there. Two out of the three games that the Warriors played the Mavericks, the Mavericks were up at halftime. If it wasn't for Steph Curry's four, you know, four three-pointers made a game average, would the Warriors be able to fight back so easily after halftime twice? The one game they just had them flat outright. They just had to lead on them. But you're telling me you're up 3-0 in the series and two of those games you were down at half? What does that say about the other team? And what does that say about the fight and your leaders, your veterans? That's basically what Steph Curry is when it comes to fight. And his five boards per game this postseason is another testament to that. He's one of the smallest players on the court. He's getting five boards a game. He's just hustling out there. So those are my top three most impactful players for this conference finals round. If you guys want to check out my list, go see what else I had to say on the segment. Please make sure you check out www.hoopshabit.com. You can search my name, Loyal Ricks Jr. The article will pop up. Make sure you tune in to today's NBA matchup. It's going to be the Golden State Warriors versus the Dallas Mavericks. And the Golden State Warriors are looking to sweep, so you don't want to miss that. It's time for the third quarter podcast question of the day. The question of the day goes as follows. If you were an NBA draft prospect getting ready to enter the NBA draft, which team would you like to go to and why? You can submit your answers on Instagram at third quarter podcast. We'll be looking at all of them. Can't wait to see which ones you guys select. So today you have the Golden State Warriors playing against the Dallas Mavericks. Like I said, the Golden State Warriors could easily sweep the Mavericks today with a win. And that brings me to my next question. I walk around the streets, you know, I'm talking to people out there, outside, as they call it. And when I engage in NBA conversation and we talk about the finals, there's a difference between having a favorite to win the finals and knowing who's actually going to win the finals. Having a favorite, you know, you might buy the favorite's jersey. You might send out a little tweet like, hey, so-and-so's frying today. Jimmy Butler's getting a bucket. You know, it's tugging at your emotions. Whereas, though, the person, the team you know who's going to win the finals, there's not much you could do about it. Whether you buy the jersey or not, you know they're going to be hosting hoisting that Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season. So when it comes down to me and myself, my favorite, who's my favorite to win the NBA Finals, I like the I like the Miami Heat. I like Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat strictly off the fact that it's a perfect Cinderella story for Jimmy Butler, who was exiled from the perfect team to win the chip. The uh, you know the next season um, in the Philadelphia 76ers, he got booted off that team. They made bad decisions. He went down to Miami, grinded, worked hard, you know, I mean, didn't get all the recognition, but now he's here and he's leading his team 
to potentially a chip without LeBron, without D-Wade. No, this is Jimmy Butler's chip. I think that would be the perfect narrative for him and his career. To be honest, if he stopped playing after this chip, I wouldn't be mad at him. If he continued playing, it would only build on to his legacy. You got people like Kyle Lowry, who's down there, you know what I mean, trying to get his second chip. Tyler Hero over there, you know, he deserves a chip, I think. Um, Udonis Haslam's over there. Um, I'll even give Eric Spolstra another chip without, you know, having to say it came um, came through the efforts of Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. So I think that would be the perfect narrative for Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. However, who do I know will win the finals? Oh, it's no question. I don't think that's a question at all. I think everybody knows the Golden State Warriors are equipped with more than enough weapons to annihilate any team that comes out of the Eastern Conference. Even if you just look at it at on-ball defense, okay, Marcus Smart probably sticking who? Steph Curry. Who you, who's sticking Clay? Okay, cool, cool, cool. You got that? Who's sticking Poole? All right, cool, cool, cool. Who's sticking Draymond? You know what I mean? They're just a, mis- a mismatch for anyone that they face coming out of the Eastern Conference. And I'm not saying like it's going to be a sweep or anything like that. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the series for the finals, I believe the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, will be holding up another trophy, probably another MVP trophy. You know what I mean? Um, and there's really nothing you can do about it. And you know what? LeBron is like the last avatar because everybody talking about LeBron always in the playoffs is boring. Da, da, da. He's not in the playoffs now. And Steph Curry about to walk to another championship. And when the world needed LeBron most, when the NBA needed LeBron most to hold Steph Curry off, where was he? He vanished with the Los Angeles Lakers. Just vanished. Want to be on the show? Make sure you follow us on Instagram at T-H-U-U-R-D-Q-T-R-P-O-D. Third quarter podcast. Let's get it. So it wouldn't be the third quarter podcast if we didn't touch any NFL news. Right now, the main headline is Kyler Murray not showing up to OTAs. OTAs is basically like voluntary workouts before the season starts. And why is that a big deal? Simply because he's not getting paid and everyone knows he wants a bigger contract. Right now, he's averaging about $5 million per year on his contract, while other quarterbacks are averaging close to 40 mil. And for him to be a franchise quarterback, that doesn't sit well with him. Or to be honest, a lot of NFL analysts, a lot of people believe that he shouldn't touch a field. He shouldn't risk the the risk of getting injured until he has the money that, you know, he's guaranteed that he's valued at. And am I for holdouts and stuff of that nature? No, Um, I do believe, you know, once you make a commitment to a team, you should follow through. But at the same time, I'm all for getting as much as you think you're worth. So Kyler Murray's running the headlines and. You know, it's easy to think about young receivers when you think about young quarterbacks. And we had a lot of receivers last year, rookie receivers that came on the teams and made a difference. So this year, you know, wanted to make another list, list of three. Just top three receivers that I think are going to be impactful this year that are in their sophomore year. So at number three, I have Jalen Waddle 
from the Miami Dolphins, and it's pretty obvious why I have him on here. The addition of Tyreek Hill to the Miami offense will definitely allow him to make more plays, get more yards, get more one-on-one -on -one coverage. And both receivers run underneath a 4-4, so staying in front of them will be extremely difficult for NFL DBs and NFL defensive coordinators. Last year, he had a successful season with 108 receptions, averaging 9.8 yards on each of those. And with, you know, Hill over there, that should definitely increase. My number two receiver I have on here is Devontae Smith. You know, without another receiver last year, he averaged 14.3 yards per reception. And you know what? The Eagles said, you know what? We're trying to get better. We're trying to develop Jalen Hurts. Let's bring in another weapon at receiver. They traded for A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans, who has over 3,000 career yards receiving and 24 touchdowns. So the attention that A.J. Brown is going to receive should do the same thing that, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to do for um, Jalen Waddle. It's going to take attention off him. He's already made plays from the season before. So he should definitely increase his numbers and his production. And of course, number one, number one, and I hate to say it because I'm a Steelers fan. He might he might tear us up this year, but that's what we got Minka Fitzpatrick for, right? That's what we have a safety for. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. He was probably the, the most dangerous rookie receiver last year. He finished last season fourth in receiving yards, third in total touchdowns, and second in yards per catch. And his connection with Joe Burrow, you know, they both went to LSU. They've been on one, how Drake used to say. They just been on one, making it damn near impossible to stop them. And I'm a Steelers fan, you know what I mean? So it's not easy for me to say that. But if they come back ready to rock and load, you know what I mean? They could have another dangerous year. They're not set up quite as well as, you know, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith are with having another asset to take the attention off of, you know, Jamar Chase. Of course, of course they have Boyd and Higgins and stuff like that. But in that offense, Jamar Chase is the number one option. So he is still going to be receiving most of the attention from the defense, probably get the lockdown corner on him. But last year, he showed he can make plays no matter where he's at. So that's my top three receiver, sophomore receivers to look forward to for 2022. Like the first um, list we had, this, this little podcast, this little episode, you can find this article as well at www.nflspinzone.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Third Quarter Podcast. Make sure you stay up to date with my latest articles and thoughts. You can find me on Twitter at LoyalJRicksJr. You can find my articles on www.stillcurtain, www.nflspinzone, and www.hoopshabit. Have a great week and we'll catch you soon.